Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and together our faith is built up in the person of Jesus. I thank you for spirit of wisdom and revelation and that this morning you grant us understanding, insight and revelation into your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. So, starting from on Sunday, last Sunday, I began to look at the life of certain people that in quotes, are not very popular in scriptures. We don't read so much about them. So every time we want to talk about studying the life of people in scripture, we have all the popular names, all right? We've got um, David, Samuel, Elijah, Elisha, and all those wonderful people. But there are people in scriptures that the Lord used their life mightily. You know, we live in a culture of self-exaltation. It's, it's almost like part of, um, it's part of the way we live right now. You know, if you have it, flaunt it. You know, show up. It's almost like put yourself out there. Make sure people know what you're doing. And that has also affected us in our giving you know, the, 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 the Christian world or the, 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 the life of the believer was not designed to be the same with the person in the world. There, there ought to be a very clear-cut difference in the way we approach issues. Let me explain to you. When an NGO does something, or politicians, you've seen the politicians, especially the election period, when they go to the orphanage, then they go with the cameras, you understand? Make sure NTA captures it. They even pay people to report it. Why? The Bible says they want people to see their good deeds. But for the child of God, it is against the way we should do things. The Bible clearly say, states that when we do things in secret, our Father who sees in secret will do what? Will reward us openly. But right now, we don't, we don't want that. You know, that's why you can go to meetings and people will say, okay, if you've got uh, 600,000, come here. If you've got one, come here. If you don't have, stay there. And you know who is giving one million. You know who is giving two million. You just know. And because we've, we've raised church to be like that, when people not give and in court, they are not recognized, they get angry. And it's because you've been trained wrongly. It's because you've been trained wrongly. The believer must learn to do things in secret. You must learn it. And the problem is that because we want the world to think we are doing good. So let's show them that we are not as bad as they think. But the question is, who are we living for? Are we living for the world? The world will never accept the church. It doesn't matter how nice you appear to be. They will never accept it. Now, Having said that, there are certain people in scriptures that we even overlook as we read the scripture. And we talked about Epaphras last Sunday. We, we looked at his life. He appeared three times in scriptures, in the book of Colossians and in Philemon. Now, uh, 
I want to look at the life of another man. I'm going to look at the life of four people or three people, depending, except the Lord lead me otherwise. In the New Testament, that whose name you will just overlook, but their life carries very powerful, potent example that we need to model after. Now, we want to look at the life of Ananias this morning. Now, when I say Ananias, who comes to your mind? Come on, talk to me, church. Who comes to your mind? Ananias and... Yeah. <laughs> but that's not the one we're looking at. How many of you know in the book of Acts, there were two Ananias? Okay. So you know now. The two. Ananias and Sapphira, you understand what they did? Man, those guys. They sold the land. And they came to church. And Peter says, is this all that you have? Ah, yes, Papa. <laughs> you know, every time we, we talk about Ananias and Sapphira, I just say it here. We always emphasize the fact that the, whole, that the Holy Ghost killed them. I don't want to go into all of that. But there's something we must not miss there that Peter told them. He says, when you sold it, it belonged to you. After you sold it, it belonged to you. You didn't have to give line. Every offering that is not willing is not accepted by the Lord. And that is not an excuse to say, I'm not willing now. That's between you and God. Are you following this? That's between you and God. But we mustn't make people give things in church. You cannot make people give things. You can share the vision with them and allow the Lord to stay their heart. Now, let me, let, me, let me now put a caveat there. If you're someone who doesn't increase your giving to the kingdom as the Lord prospers you, it shows something about your walk with God. As you keep walking with God, the Lord will begin to trust you with more resources and begin to ask you and place a demand on them. And that stewardship, the, the, the problem we've had is that we have tried to control that stewardship from the pulpit to say, you have to do this, you have to do this. No, but that's, that's almost like you just teach people and you leave the response of their stewardship between them and God. One thing I know is God can speak to a man to give much more than any man in this world will be able to speak to them. Are you following this? I remember... Um, Maybe like four years ago, it was in the middle of the night, and someone sent us some money. So he sent us a particular sum of money. I was happy about it. We we're just starting out there. We needed all the money that we, could, we can get. And three minutes later, he sent another money. So I, I had to call him. I said, uh, sorry, I saw like two transfers. You know, sometimes people can transfer by mistake. Don't be, be, be a non-refundable pastor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i mean this happened to us in church before someone sent in a huge chunk and he called us ah sorry that transfer was my mistake you don't say ah in this church we don't return money the next day we told you we went to the bank and returned this money to him i said that money has we have already paid contractors sir you know you know so i called him and he said well this was the exact amount the lord asked me to send to you but i had some need so i sent this but I could not rest until I completed the amount. 
How many of you know it's only God that can do that? Yeah. Only God can do that. So when we look at the life of Ananias and Sapphira, that's not what we're looking at. We observe that what Peter was also telling them is you had control over your resource and you could have allowed the Lord to direct you on how to give. And the reason I'm emphasizing it is because sometimes when we find ourselves in an environment and someone gives something, you say, oh, if a man like me can give this amount, then I want to. <laughs> you don't have to. You've got to follow the directions of the Lord for your finances. Is that okay? Giving, come on, talk to me, church. Is that okay? Giving in church is never a competition. What did I say? Giving in church is what? Is never a competition. We are not looking for the highest giver. Because the highest giver can be the most disobedient believer. You know, people can use giving to cover what the Lord is telling them to do. The Lord can be asking them to do something. And they just feel when they give, then the voice of their conscience will be satisfied. So, we must follow the Lord, the direction of the Lord. But there's another Ananias I want, to, I want us to look at. Acts chapter 9. And verse 10 to 15. Acts chapter 9 and verse 10 to 15. This was when Saul was, uh, the Lord uh, met him. On the road to Damascus. And the Lord began to speak to Saul. And for three days he did not eat. He did not drink. So he was blind. We, we, we discovered that Saul was blind. Not just spiritually blind but physically because of the light that struck his eyes. So the Lord said to him. Talking to Saul now. Okay let's read verse 10 sorry. Now there was a certain disciple. Acts chapter 9 verse 10. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. I want us to look at that phrase. A certain disciple. And look at the, how this man was described. He wasn't just described as a certain Christian. He was described as what? A disciple. What's a disciple? the Greek word mathetes, M-A-T-H-E-T-E-S. It means a pupil, a learner, the one who learns. In those days, every rabbi had to have a disciple. And a disciple is the one who was committed to learning the ways of that particular rabbi. So you had uh, Paul studying under Gamaliel, you had everyone studying under several rabbis. So Jesus also within the context of that culture, was a rabbi that other disciples followed. They had to learn his ways. Jesus says a disciple can be like his master if he's well taught. But I want us to see the description that the, the, the Bible calls this man. He says a certain disciple. Can we be seen as disciples of Jesus? You know, right now sometimes it's very difficult to distinguish who is a believer. Except by the stickers on our doors. It, it, sometimes it's difficult. You hear a child of God talks. And the words are not different from someone who is not born again. 
And when you ask them, he said, that's how we are in our family. It, 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 the problem is, I thought you were now in the family of God. The scripture says, let our words be seasoned with grace. Gracious words must flow out of us. That's why I keep telling you, if you want to know if I'm a good pastor or not, most times it's not by what I preach in church. What I preach is fine. You should check my doctrine. But the best people to find out if I'm a good pastor or not is my neighbors. Yeah. It's my neighbors. Go ask them. Because those are the people who literally live with me when I'm not wearing suits. And if we also want to find out if you are a good believer, we should find out from your neighbors. How do you live with them? Do you live as a disciple of Christ? And this is very important. They were introducing this man. They didn't say, oh, the church elder, the church deacon. You realize how far we have gone from the will of God when we fight ourselves over position in churches. Yeah, people can literally fight over positions. Why? Yeah, I'm the church elder. So all the elders sit on the front row like all these elders now. Sit on the front row. But it's that guy that looks like an elder because he's wearing River State stuff. Yeah? And then all the deacons sit behind pastor. And all the ministers to become deacons sit on the left hand side. And we create all these demarcations everywhere. Without even following scriptural principles. The first set of people to be called deacons in church, what was their role? Come on, church. What was their role? To serve food. So imagine if I call you now and say, Brother John Smith and First Lady John Smithers, you guys are now deacons in the church. And then we have to serve food. And I say, well, let all the deacons come and serve food, not communion. You know, we like the communion thing because it's very religious. Serve food. How many of you know you're going to feel offended when there are small boys in church? They call me deacon to come and serve food. And what we don't realize is that the scripture says the greatest amongst you must be servant of all. The scripture has its way. And we must, as a, as a church, begin to revert back to the ways of the scriptures. A certain disciple named Ananias. No ambiguity to the introduction. No titles before and after. Even when someone is a pastor, for instance, and you call them by their name or you call them brother, they get offended. How are you calling me brother? Don't you recognize my spiritual ordination? Hands were laid on me. Oil was poured on me. Salt was rubbed on my face. I'm a man of God. The more you are closer to God, the more humble you will become if you see a man who is full of pride 
He is religious, but he is not spiritual. Are you following this? Let's look at the life of Jesus. Come on, let's look at the life of Jesus. When the children wanted to come to him, what did the disciples say? They were pushing them away. What did Jesus say? He says, let the children come to me. He carried them on his laps, placed his hands on them, and did what? And blessed them. What was Jesus trying to teach us? I've given you this example before, and, and I'll, I'll still spend time to teach it. When we, when we do feet washing in church, why do we do feet washing? What's the purpose of feet washing? Miracles and breakthrough. Why did Jesus do feet washing? And I've explained it to you. Simple Bible knowledge. The roads were very dusty. And they were very religious. You had to wash your feet and your hands before you eat. So, when you have a visitor, the lowest servant in the house would wash the feet of all the visitors. Right? I remember, I think, when we went to Kenya, if you travel to Kenya with me, you observe, Every time we wanted to eat, they always brought hot water, right? You always wash your hands in Kenya before you eat. Until a point that I got tired. Like, I've washed before. Just bring the food. You know, it's a culture to them, right? So it's something in the same way. The lowest disciple had to bring a rag and clean the lowest servant in the house and clean the feet of all the visitors. So when, when, they, all, when they all got there, <laughs> it was like everybody was looking. So who we clean? You, you know that kind of thing? You know, I'm Peter, the one who saw the revelation. I'm Thomas, the one who would doubt later. Uh, I'm John, the one who is always close to Jesus. And nobody was doing that. And Jesus had to do it. Showing them an example of humility, an example of service. Within the context of the Christian faith, one thing we must begin to restore is humility amongst ourselves. We must learn to serve one another. That's what proves that we are disciples of Christ. We mustn't allow the world to push us and show us how to live. The world was never designed to show the light. Sometimes I get scared when I see my generation, the, the titles they carry. Apostle, prophet. All kinds of titles. All kinds. The young man who is calling himself an apostle, if you run, run him through scriptures, probably very limited knowledge. But that title is more important than anything. We throw names all over. God's general. And if you find out the record of the God's general, he has only led five people to Christ. We must restore humility to the body of Christ. The spirit of Christ will teach you to be humble. A certain disciple named Ananias. He was okay with being called a disciple of Christ. Just fine with that. And the powerful ministry of Apostle Paul, who wrote to third of the New Testament, one of God's finest servants that has ever lived, would only start 
because of the interaction God had with this man called a certain disciple. It was not an apostle, no big name to him, nothing, just a certain disciple. Let's read on. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here am I, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise. Go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. I want you to observe the clarity of the instructions that this man got from God. He didn't come and say, well, I have a dream. I didn't understand. One man was telling me, go to straight, go to straight. I don't, no, 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 no. It was clear. It was clear. The man had a clear relationship with God. God wanted to speak to him. He didn't need to use a prophet. Are you still here? He didn't need to use his pastor. Just straight talk. See, God was giving him specific address. This was not about uh, go deeper, Papa. Go deeper, Papa. No, 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 no. It was just him and God. God says, "Listen, there's a street by the name called Straight. There is a house in that street. There's a family in that place. There's a man there called Saul of Tarsus. He's praying right now. I have already told him you are coming. Look at the clarity of his walk with God." The guy wasn't a pastor because some of us feel that it is only pastors that can hear God for us. One of the greatest undoing of this generation is the rise of the prophetic ministry that will not teach God's people to hear God for themselves. The Lord will only use prophets in extreme cases. We cannot be going to church to just hear what God will say to us. This certain disciple, look at the specific details. Go to this street. There's a house there. There's a man praying. I've already told him you are coming. <clears throat> Clear with instructions, with addresses. Specific instruction. No. Um, God is he you are is not you. It shows that he was truly a disciple of Christ. When last did God speak to you specifically? When last did you hear clear instructions on what to do? You're waiting for a prophet. You know, I told, told you one time, early days, lady wanted to join us. So I said, uh, how did you uh, join us? She said, oh, no, that, uh, well, she hasn't joined us, actually. She was about to come, came to the office. Uh, that, uh, they, they, she's looking for a place where they can see. I said, yeah, we don't see. Let's go, go somewhere. What do you want people to see about you? Look at our run and craze for prophecy. That's why we fall into the hands of false prophets. And don't, and, and I said this. <laughs> well, I don't know whether I shouldn't have done that.
But I went somewhere to preach. I'm just saying this now. But I went somewhere to preach. I went with Pastor Onos yesterday. And I went there to preach. But I was dressed very simple. Maybe I should have worn suit and tie. I was dressed very simple. But as I got into the congregation to teach, I sensed a very strong spirit of dishonor. Very strong spirit of dishonor. I was about to preach. People were talking. It was just... So I, so I told them. I said, listen. You know, sometimes people mistake your simplicity for lack of power or anointing. You know, they like those, you know, man of God, you're coming to preach. Let nobody talk to you. Two people are walking behind you. You're just looking. People greet you. Good morning. You say shalom. Uh, say good morning, pastor. You say seller. You know, and you know, I like all those stuff. So I told them, listen, that doesn't mean that we are not anointed. So I asked them. I said, is there anyone in this auditorium who has pains that you can feel? Not like... He used to pay me. You can feel pains right now. Ten people stood up. One was a fracture, so I know that won't get healed instantly. Ten of them stood up with all kinds of pain. I laid hands on all ten of them. Nine of them got healed instantly on the spot. Nine of them. Not one was left. Everywhere kept quiet. They now started to listen. But did I have to do that? It was unnecessary. So, when I also say we don't see, don't think that I'm also blind. I'm, that, that, this one now is for your own good. Don't think so. No, don't think so. It's just that we have chosen to prioritize your maturity above our exaltation. Are you there? I'm telling you. We have chosen that your growth is more important than you feeling that we are important. That's why we chose this route. Look at the clarity. I was glad one of the guys in church called me some two months ago. and uh, No, maybe two days or three days ago. I said, oh pastor, I was in a dream. And I saw this vision and this is what the Lord was speaking to me about the church. I was... I was glad about it i was glad i mean i was happy about it just someone in church it's fantastic god can speak to you he can give you clear directions i want you to look at the clarity of the direction go to this street go to this house there is a man this is what prophets and pastors of our days we do and we're like wow man that guy can see the man can see. Just a certain disciple has walked in it. Certain disciple. You see, I'm sorry to say this, but some of the things we celebrate in our churches today shows how far the church has gone from the perfect will of God. Let me give you a typical example. Typical example. You know, Paul was preaching the last, the last time he was preaching to, to the church before he will die. He preached and preached and preached and preached all night. He preached all night. And <laughs> a guy was listening to him and fell from the window and died. Right? How many of you remember the story? Come on, come on. Remember the story? Talk to me, church. Remember the story? What happened? Paul went down, raised him from the dead. What did Paul do? Continued preaching to Paul and to the church of that day. That miracle was a distraction to the teaching of the word. So they didn't even allow the guy to share his testimony. I'm sure the guy would have felt ashamed. They just raised the guy and sat him there again and said, listen, if you die next time, we'll kill you. Just listen. And they continued teaching. 
Do you know that if, if we were to, <laughs> don't die, but if I was to be teaching now, <laughs> someone falls down and is dead, and I lay hands on the person, and the person comes back to life. How many of you know we won't preach again? No, we won't preach again. We put mic in the guy's face. So when you died, what happened? I fell. Uh-huh. Then when Papa came, what now happened? Papa touched me on the forehead, and somebody said, "Come back to life." No, say it again. How did Papa touch you? Nonsense. What kind of rubbish is all that? Just to prove that a man is anointed? Where is the place of Christ in our churches? And it's idolatry all over the place. Just to prove that a man is anointed. Who cares? We do all this rubbish because we're not persecuted. Go and speak to the church leaders in China. Even if you have that kind of miracle, you cannot open your mouth and say it. The government will kill you. And we're serving the same God. Go and look at your statistics and see how fast Islam is increasing in Nigeria. Go and read. Go and read. Go and read. Especially Eastern Nigeria. You know, when we build one church auditorium, it's all over the news. All over. And go and see how mosques have been erected in silence. You know, the top of the half moon on the mosque, for some of them, is pure gold-plated. I mean, that crown alone can build some nine, ten churches. And everywhere is calm. No noise, no news, nothing. Just. Our loudness has reduced the effectiveness of our testimony. You must learn it in your own Christian life. You must learn to be calm. This man, called Ananias, God, and we are going to read the next verse. You see how this man engaged God. Let's read the next verse. See how this man engaged God. Then Ananias said, answered, Lord, <laughs> I have heard from many about this man. How much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go. You see how you could talk to God, right? It shows a unique relationship. God says, go lay out and say, God, I know you're God, but this man, look at, look at, look at, engaging the Lord. God wants to talk with you. God wants to have a relationship with you. When last did you have a conversation with God? You're always hearing the devil. You know the book? Ah, the devil was just telling me. Ah, the devil now said, ah, I was just hearing one voice like this. He was like, how come you're hearing the devil more than God? Where exactly are you? Are you seated with Christ in heavenly places or you're seated with the devils? Why are you constantly hearing the devil? You know, and the devil just whispered to me. And I said, no, devil, it will not happen. And the devil just told me, you, you talk about the devil as if he's your brother. Devil, 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 demons everywhere. 
You come to a prayer meeting in church, six prayers, five is about demons. None about the exhortation of the name of Christ. Listen to me. When, when the church begins to go into apostasy, when men begin to restore truths, those men are, all, are always called to be very critical and very rebellious. That's the problem with the church. And all I ask you, I'll tell you this now, whatever I teach you, go back to the scriptures and study it out. It's because I'm doing this series, you know, I'll give you loads of scripture of how God simply wants to walk with the believer in clear details. Clear direction. Clear direction. So you know you are the center of God's will. No, you are not confused. You're not confused. You're not waiting for a man to speak over you. You're just sure God is asking you to do. But how does it start? You become a disciple. And the Lord says, go. For he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I'll show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. I've taught this when I talk about following God's will. You see, part of the call of Paul was that he was going to suffer for the name of Christ. Come on, is that part of the commission? Talk to me, church. Is that part of the commission? How many of you have heard any minister come and say, part of this commission is that we're going to suffer for Christ? No way. What does all our commission look like right now? It's called me to raise champions. We are raising flying eagles. Oh no, super eagles. <laughs> We're raising giants. From whatever to... Our problem started when we started making Christianity all about what we can get from God. And one of the things that did to us is stopped expository teaching in church. Because normally when you come to church, your pastor can just say, we're studying Colossians today. No, we don't do that anymore. We just look for the verses that can aid us. That even when the scripture is saying something else, we turn it around to say what suits us. Because every one of us wants to hear what's the next level, what's the next day. And what that did to us is that it threw patience out of the way. Nobody's patient anymore. Why? Somebody comes and says, the Lord has anointed me for overnight success. I have that anointing. That unique anointing for overnight success. And then we are all running there. Who doesn't want overnight success? Even me. I want it. Then we all run there. Another one comes and says, well, I'm an apostle of financial breakthrough. Who doesn't want financial breakthrough? Then we all go there. God's will is to bless you. God's will is also for you to mature in him. So that even like Job, when tough times comes, you will be able to say in the midst of your darkest moments that I know my Redeemer lives. That is not a sticker to gum on your car. It's a life to live. And look at this. Verse 17. And Ananias went his way. No argument with the Lord. No argument. See how obedient this man is. Listen, let's, let's put it in context 
Saul of Tarsus was like, let's say, the leader of Boko Haram. The, you know, they have many leaders now, so we don't know which one is the leader. So let's say, it's like saying the leader of Boko Haram is converted, right? You have been hearing about the disastrous thing they are doing. And the Lord tells you, go and pray for their leader. Right? Then you tell the Lord, oh God, <laughs> those guys. And then the Lord says, no, I've chosen him to be a vessel. Now go. What happened? Immediately, this man went. What obedience? What obedience? This is not go and show power. This is not go and plant a church. How many of you understand what I'm saying? This is, what about if it wasn't God you heard? <laughs> the man kills Christians. Then maybe it was just your mind. You not just went there and said, God has said, I should come and lay hands on you. You know that you will not recover from that mission. So you need to be sure. But I want you to look at how obedient this guy was to God for an unlikely mission. Can the Lord send you to go and witness to a cultist? You know, growing up, we used to hear, you know, some people come and say, the Lord asked me to go and preach in that bus. The Lord asked me to go and do this. The Lord asked me to go and do this. What is the Lord asking you to do now? When last did the Lord ask you to go talk to a sinner about Christ? And you know why it's difficult for the Lord to talk to us to go talk to sinners? Because he's still dealing with us. He, he's still finding it hard to talk to us. Television had took, taken your time. Gist, talk, everywhere. You go to the market to buy something. You stand in front of a woman buying meat. You are there for 45 minutes. One hour. From meat, you have talked about Buhari. You have talked about uh, pastors. You have talked about churches. You have talked everything. Talked about your husband. Talked about your brother-in-law. Every one hour. And then we come to church. Let's pray for one hour. After 15 minutes, you're looking for the next seat. And that's why we're taking the easy way out. Just pray for one handkerchief for me. Just pray for one oil. Just pray for this. We just want the easy way out. How much time do you spend in front of the television every day? How can you hear God when that whole thing is in your box? From one series to another. One, you know, I used to like series. When, did I like or no? I don't know whether I like, but... You know, uh, 24. You know 24, Jack Bauer. Ah, when 24 came out, we just got married. Myself and my wife, we had that small... You know that generator called that better pass your neighbor generator? You know that generator? What's the real English name? I passed my neighbor. Okay. <laughs> so, that's the real English name. That's the correct English name. If you are listening to this, you don't know what that is. Just skip. So, we had that gen. And we just got married. No child, nothing. Then, I think my wife was just pregnant. We'll just cook. We'll own the gen. We will watch. Watch. You know the film is interesting. Sometimes we watch late into the night. We wake up, pray, eat. We keep watching. I had to stop one time. You know why I stopped? I discovered that after like one week of consistently watching, then the films were 200, so we just bought the whole... I was now breaking out of prison. There was no prison you kept me in my dream that I would not break out. Ah, every night I was busy digging to... <laughs> I told my wife that, no, 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 no. This thing is, is becoming too much. That's, no, that's how I stopped. I mean, that's just how I stopped. But you know, people can be on that thing for days. One series to another. One series to another. One series to another. And time is going. And when it's time to hear God's voice, you are not sure whether it's Jack Bauer speaking to you 
<laughs> or it is God, he's just confused. You must learn to pay attention to the things of the Spirit. It will help you. Hallelujah. And look at the obedience this man had. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laid his hands on him. He said, Brother Saul, I like the way he called him. He didn't go there and say, well, the Lord sent me to pray for you. No, immediately he heard the Lord says, I have chosen him as a vessel. He knew that this had become his brother in Christ. He didn't go and say, Saul. No, he says, brother Saul. Do we accept people as our brothers? Even in the Christian faith. Do we accept people as our brothers? Are we quick to accept people as our brothers and sisters? You know, <laughs> in the fellowship, what do we used to call ourselves? Brother this, sister that, right? I mean, and it just gives, gives us that sense of family. Even our leaders were called brothers. Even our pastors were called brothers. Because even though they are pastors over us, they are our brothers in Christ. And that's why I tell every minister of the gospel, do not forget that God has not kept you as a lord over his sheep. You're graced by God, but you're still their brothers. They're still your sisters. This guy meets this former terrorist. And the first way he addresses him, he says, brother Saul. That means when God says, I've chosen him, he was fine with that testimony. What a way to live. And the mighty Paul we talk about today would not be where he is if not for Ananias. A certain disciple the Lord could trust. Who can the Lord use you to reach? Who can the Lord use you to reach? Who can the Lord use you to start a ministry? And just say, listen, God spoke to me. This, 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 this about you. Or God is asking me to do this. Can the Lord give you specific direction? Have you grown to that place in your walk with God? Look at this. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 18. Immediately, there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received the sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. See how much power was in the hands of that brother. How much power. It wasn't a healing service. He didn't go with choir to sing down the presence of God. He didn't go with intercessors. <laughs> Man, how much power was in the hands of this brother? Laid hands on Saul. Bam, his eyes were open. How much power this guy had in his hands. Man, I've been preaching the gospel for 10 years. I've seen all kinds of miracles. I'm yet to see blind eyes open. And I'm believing God for it. I'm seriously believing and trusting God for it. This guy, Ananias, no title, nothing. Lay hands on the guy. Bam, pops his eyes open. Just very simple. 
Just very simple. No noise about it. No crusade picture. Nothing. Just one brother in church called by God for a mighty assignment. When last did you see sick people healed? Or you have not become an untrained medical doctor? When people close to you are sick. Say, ah, tell me, tell me, what's happening? You are feeling dizzy. Okay, hold on, hold on. Dizzy where? Say by the right, 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 right. Right, top right or bottom right or side right or inside right. Say inside right. Mm. Uh, it's typhoid plus, plus, plus. Three pluses. And I said, ah, I didn't know it was typhoid. I said, no, don't go to that chemist. I've been buying that chemist. He says, face drop. Go to this or that one. Tell them. Tell him that I sent you. He's my customer. Tell him that I sent you. And buy this one. This particular one I'm telling you now. It's yellow. You now start describing drugs. What did you study in school? Plant science. But you've not trained yourself in divine healing. You don't even believe in divine healing. You don't even believe it. And pastor, we know God heals, but... I mean, you know, sometimes when you even have money to afford drugs, healing is a second thought to you. I remember when my son was growing up, he fell. We had this glass table. He fell. I had just listened to Jerry Saville share the testimony of his, of, of, of his daughter that had his fingers cut. And um, if you've listened to him a lot, you hear the testimony and, you know, prayed and the hands and all that. Don't want to go into that because of my time. I just listened to that message. There was so much faith in my heart. And my son was playing and hit like this kind of glass. And blood started coming out here. <laughs> then we just started ministry. There was no one Naira in the house. I don't even know any chemist as friends. <laughs> so I just held them. Put my hands there and say, in the name of Jesus, this blood sees now. The blood stopped. He went to sleep. He woke up. There was no mark in that place. That was all. You will see miracles if you walk with God. You will. I'm you will be amazed. There should be a hunger in your heart for the supernatural to flow through your hands. The hunger. This, this book is real. God is alive. This thing is not about money. There are things that money cannot buy that God has purchased for us by his precious blood. We can see miracles. You can see your own children healed before your very eyes. Miracles upon miracles that God wants to flow through your hands. Them that believe, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's not about a special anointing. Don't you get it? God wants to raise a body of believers. He doesn't just want to raise one superstar. God wants all of us to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Anointed with power. Walking in the miraculous. God wants every one of you to see his healing power. 
That's what God wants. Moses says, I wish that all of God's people were prophets. That should be the genuine desire of every man of God. That everybody who sits and listens to him should come to the place of maturity that he is. The more we keep looking to some special anointed men of God, the more we need to grow. And listen, I'm not saying don't honor your pastor, don't think that you are equal with your pastor. I've taught you a lot about that. So I don't expect you to think that way. Pastors are God's gift to you. But what is the role of the gift? To bring you to maturity. What I'm asking of you is maturity. When last did you see miracles? And those are the type of testimonies I like to hear. I say, who has a testimony? Someone stands up and says, oh, Pastor, well, I raised three dead people yesterday. And they are here in church. And somebody says, well, there's an alcoholic in my street. I lay hands on him. He doesn't take alcohol anymore. Those are the kind of testimonies I want to hear. Though we've heard a lot of, we've heard a lot of testimony about money, buildings, houses, promotion, job. They don't satisfy my heart. It's good, beautiful. But that's not, that's, that doesn't cut me. I want us to be able to read scriptures and look at our life and say, come on, this thing, tarry tallies this this is it this is it what paul saw i saw what timothy was saying what this guy was saying oh what happened in scriptures here happened here i want us to see food multiplying because god can't multiply your food praise the name of the lord Let's believe God for the supernatural. Amen. Let's look at Paul's account of this and then we can begin to wrap up. Acts 22. Thank you, Lord Jesus. When your children are sick, begin to practice on them. All right? I'm not saying don't take them to the hospital. Take them. But before you take them, pray for them. In the name of Jesus, we take authority over this sickness. Use your authority. Use your authority. Use your authority. You will never see miracles if you don't reach out to people. Start reaching out to people. Your colleague who is not a believer. Something is wrong with him. Say, I can pray for you. Jesus will heal you. Step out. Step out. Tell them, Jesus can heal you. I'll pray for you. Praise the name of the Lord. We teach our kids. I mean, if, if maybe I'm not feeling fine, somebody's not feeling fine, maybe my wife or something. When the kids come, they pray the healing power of God. We teach them. Pray in the name of Jesus. We pray that you heal. Teach them to pray that. God's word will always work. It will work. Amen. Acts 22 and verse 11 to 12. This was Paul recounting that same incident. And since I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of those who were with me, I came into Damascus. Verse 12, Paul now speaking. Then a certain Ananias, a devout man according to the Lord, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour, I looked up at him. Two things I want us to pick from Paul's testimony here. He says he was a devout man. It means a man who reverently feared God and had 
a good testimony. Take it up. Take it up again. Verse 12. Is it verse 12 now? Then a certain Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there. Two things I want us to pick, pick up from his life is how devoted he was to God. So we can find the secret of his life from listening to what Paul said about him. And the next thing Paul said, which I really want to emphasize this morning, is that he had a good testimony. Give me a simpler translation, amplified message or any of the simple translations. A good report. A good report. He had a good testimony. Listen, a man with sterling reputation in observing our laws. The Jewish community in Damascus is on, unanimous on that score. He had a good reputation. Give me the amplified. I want to emphasize that word, good reputation. Highly respected by all the Jews living there. We are living almost like our character don't matter. You hear people say, it doesn't matter what you do. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we're throwing character and behavior out of the door. When you get born again, when you become a child of God, there should be something different about your character. People must be able to say, this man is a good man. And you know what people say all right now? Oh, don't judge me. Are you perfect? It's not about what people say about me. It's about what God says. God said in his word about this man that others said he was a good man. You finish having a conversation with a Christian. You can't tell the difference between having a conversation with a sinner. That's why when I started church, and I'll say it again for some of you just joining us, I told everyone, when I call you and ask you, why did you not come to church? Don't lie. If you forgot, say, Pastor, I forgot that today was Bible study. If you slept, say, Pastor, I slept. Because then you call somebody and say, ah, uh, uh, and then they start looking for stories. I've even called some people. Why didn't you come to church? Pastor, I didn't feel like coming. <laughs> Fine. For you now, like, there are people whose grandmothers have died many times. I don't even know who is dying again. Why were you? Ah, we went for my grandmother's burial. That was last, last year when we started church. You were like, ah, my grandmother. How many times is this woman dying? Because then they have forgotten that they told me that it was grandmother's burial they went for. Why are you lying? Someone calls you. You are in your house. You say you are on your way. When did your house become third road? Ah, I'm close. I'm close. Have you seen that? I'm close. I'm in Finima now. I'm in the bus. I'm in the roundabout. Ah, I'm close. But ah, it's oh network. Then they off the phone and say it's network. Two hours later, the man who was at the roundabout, it takes him, guys work miracles. It takes him two hours from LNG roundabout to the church. What a mighty God we serve. Just, just convenient with lying. No good reputation. And this is a problem we're having. Why people don't even take us seriously anymore. Because we've thrown character out of our faith. 
The people out there, they would not listen to us this Sunday morning when we preach. They would listen to your character when you go out there on Monday. That's the greatest testimony to the Christian faith. Never forget this scripture. A good name is better than riches. Have a good name. Be a good man. Be a good man. Learn to be faithful. When your name is mentioned, may people associate it with the right things. Are you following what I'm saying? He says he has a good reputation. So you see why God could trust him for that assignment. If we read this, we can know why God could trust him. He was obedient to the laws. He kept the laws. And when God needed someone to use, he could pick them. The question I'd like to ask you this morning as we close, can God trust you? Why can't some of you witness? You stay in the same house with people you're not married to. That's why they won't listen to you. To us, she is your sister. To them, they know she's your girlfriend. Because cohabitation is almost like a normal culture for us now. We don't even see anything wrong in it anymore. The church has to now force you to marry somebody you've been sleeping with for 10 years. Hey, it's nothing. Because then when you say this all the time, oh, you are judgmental, you are not preaching grace. Can't we just do what is right in his word? Can't we trust God that if God gives us an instruction, we can follow it? And we keep pushing these standards down, we keep lowering these standards, we keep, we keep making it so convenient for everyone that there's even no change when someone says, I'm born again. Listen, Christianity will cost you a lifestyle of sin. If you're a believer and there's no difference between you and the man who is not a believer, you're not born again. Doesn't care. I might even ordain you out of mistake as a pastor. It will just be my mistake. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when we were building this, this place and Sometimes we approach some people to, to give us goods and while we're working, we'll pay them and all that. And man, when they tell you of stories of churches, ah, this church collected from us. They have moved in two years ago. They have not still paid. You are wondering, like, ah, so what are they preaching there? You know, sometimes if you are a pastor, it's difficult to buy anything from anybody. Because mainly you just say you are a pastor, you say, ah, no, man of God, sir. <laughs> man of God. Then they start giving you catalogs of pastors who are still owing. What reputation? And when we're building, one of, the, one of the things we had, and it's, I mean, you can go anywhere in town. I, you can go anywhere in town and ask anybody who worked for us. Not one time owed beyond when we should pay or when we have said we should pay. And sometimes immediately the money comes in, we're the ones calling, hey, your money's ready, come take it. It's almost like, wow, can this happen? I'm like, this is normal. And the reason I'm saying it is there are some of you who are owing people. You are pretending that they have forgotten. Go and pay them. They have not forgotten. They just kept quiet. 
How can you owe someone for two years? You don't even call them to apologize. And then the next thing, Holy Ghost, fire, fire, follow me. Which fire? Fall on who? You're wicked. We've got to tell ourselves the truth. This is not Christianity. This is not what the scripture teaches us to do. People work for you. And you go buy cars, you go build your house, and you're still owing old men and old women who worked for you for six months. And this is the little money they will need to eat. And then you're the biggest giver in church. Why? You keep families hungry, you keep families out of school, and yet in church, you are an elder. Now, children are about to resume. If you are owing anybody, you go back home today, find a way to pay them, or call them and apologize. We've destroyed relationships out of this kind of lifestyle. And if you know you're staying with someone you're not married, you need to sit today and talk about it and make the right decisions. If we want to serve God, let us serve him. Let's make a radical commitment to righteousness. Our children are living amongst us. The young ones need people they can look up to. They need to be an example in the society again of devout men. Let's not push this narrative that every man flirts. Every man has a, a, a side chick. Let's not push this narrative. Let's not give an occasion to the devil to destroy our homes. You are a married man. You must have boundaries. You are a married woman. You must have boundaries. There are things the scripture says should not be mentioned amongst us. They shouldn't be mentioned amongst us. It's not normal, even if everybody does it. Today, I want you to commit to once more becoming a radical Christian who keeps the ways of God. And I tell you, sometimes we will suffer for it. It doesn't always mean that if we are righteous, everything will go well. Sometimes our righteousness will put us in prison. You know, even in counseling now, sometimes the men of God can't tell people the truth because you're just scared. Somebody's not doing right. You're afraid because you don't want to lose church members. Because losing church members equals to losing more money. We keep compromising the standards because of mammon. Let's be on our feet. This morning, we must all make a radical commitment to purity. To becoming disciples of Christ. To becoming devout men. That in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, once more, our character and our reputation will go before us. Lift your voice, everyone. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.